0: Thank you for tuning in. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Two Protective Walls. Two Protective Walls. We're going to unpack the first one and then we're going to unpack the second one because everyone here is either building one protective wall or they're building another. They're not building two at the same time because everyone has to choose which wall are they going to build. Um... The first one is talked about in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11, where it says, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it to be a wall too high to climb. The wealth of the rich. Now, before we start peeling it back and start unpacking that scripture, can we just all agree for a moment that everyone in this room and everyone watching right now is rich? Can we just agree on that straight away? Like, and then I can get into the rest of my message, okay? So, for the three people here that don't realize how rich they are, I'm going to ask you two questions, and hopefully at the end of the two questions, you'll realize, oh my goodness, I'm filthy rich. Question number one, will you need to spend all the money you have today in order to live? So when you go to sleep tonight, you're going to have money left over. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yes or no? So when you go to sleep tonight, you, you will not need to have spent all your money. Is that true? Yes. yes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, what about tomorrow? Well, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. As of today, you got way more money than what you need. Are you with me? Shout yes. yes. How many people here last week, you had so much food in front of you that you had to throw it away? Raise your hand if, if your trash can was full of food that you did not eat last week. Go ahead. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Full of food. So how many of you already know that at the end of this week, you're going to be throwing away more food that you did not eat? Raise your hand. So you have more money today than what you need, and you're going to end up throwing away food that you don't eat. I would call that rich. Filthy! You guys are a bunch of filthy rich. No, I'm just kidding. We're all rich. Everybody say we're all rich. We're all rich. Um, I was uh, I was reading um, about uh, the this in World War II. Uh, there was this actress named Betty Gamble. Uh, many of you guys remember her. Raise your hand if you remember Betty Gamble. All right, uh, three of us. Um, Technically, I don't remember her. I just studied about it. I wasn't born yet. Um, But Betty was a famous Hollywood actress. And she was known for having amazing legs. And so she had her legs, the movie studio that was employing her, insured her legs for one million dollars. Insured her legs for one million dollars. Now, let me ask you a question. How many people here would volunteer to have both of your legs amputated for the sake of science in exchange for one million dollars? No one here. So, in other words, your legs are worth. More than a million dollars. So not only are you filthy rich, you have million dollar legs. (laughs) Look at the person next to you and say, I've got million dollar legs. I've got million dollars. These are million dollar legs. If you're single and you are going to get on some type of Christian website to look for a guy, I want you to type in, I've got million dollar legs. You have more money than what you're going to need. You're not going to have to spend all your money today in order to live. When you go to sleep tonight, you'll have money left over. You're going to throw away more food this week in your trash can than some people will eat all year across the world. And you have million dollar legs. You're rich. Everyone say I'm rich. In Proverbs eighteen eleven, let me circle back around to that verse. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to climb. In other words, rich people believe that the higher their stack of cash is, the safer they are. A fortified city is a city with a huge wall around it that protects it. Rich people believe that the higher their stack of cash, the safer they are. The smaller their stack of cash, the smaller their wall is, the more exposed they are. But they imagine it as a wall. It's not real. It is not real, that level of security is not real. They imagine their money giving them security that they really don't have. Now, let me illustrate this on a personal level. uh, My wife and I have been married for 19 years, crazy. Put your hands together for Allie, (laughs) 19 years. 17 years ago, we started having an annual meeting with our financial advisor. 17 years ago, I distinctly remember him telling us, You guys do not have enough money to retire. So we made aggressive changes. A few years later, we met with him again. He said, You guys do not have enough money to retire. A few years later, we met with him again. You still do not have enough money to retire. Two weeks ago, we met with him again. And what do you think he said? You still don't have enough money to retire. For the last 17 years, we've been trying to work our retirement system to where we will have enough money to retire and be able to be stress-free by the time we retire. We still don't have enough money to retire. And then I finally discovered what that number is. The number that we all need to be completely financially secure. Do you know what that number is? I'm about to save you a lot of time. It's more than what you have. (laughs) Don't ever forget that. It will always be more than what you have. And we will live our entire life fretting and worrying because we can't reach that number, but there is no number. There is no number. It will always be more than what you have. You go. I don't know. There's some billionaires out there, and that number is good enough for them to. They have a fortified wall. There's billionaires out there. They have a fortified wall around them, and they're completely financially safe. They're safe from anything. There's a wall around them. And, and people like you know Steve Jobs. Or let's talk about Steve Jobs. I know he's not alive, but like you. I'm carrying around some of his products, iPhone, iWatch, iEverything. Uh, let's talk about this. He was worth $10.8 billion. Billion. Now, there's a big difference between a million and a billion. A massive difference. I know it both ends with an N, but No. A billion, million, they're completely two different worlds. Let me illustrate. I've got a dollar here. This dollar, the thickness of this dollar is 0.004 inches. If I had a million of these, it would go up 333 feet high if I stacked them on top of each other, a million $1 bills, 333 feet high. If I had a billion of these $1 bills, it would go up sixty no, 67.8 miles high. Now keep in mind that space starts 50 miles above the ground. So if you have one billion one dollar bills stacked on top of each other, it would go to space. The moon is 240,000 miles away. So if you have four billion one dollar bills, you could stack them on top of each other. It would go so high it would touch the moon. If you had four billion, Steve Jobs had 10.8 billion. In other words, his stack of $1 bills would go all the way up to the moon and then make a circle and come all the way back down. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. But you know what? His fortified wall was not enough to protect him from pancreatic cancer, and he died at 56 years old. There is no amount of money that you will have that will be a fortified wall. It is imagined that it is a wall too high to climb. I pray that the only thing, if you guys only get one point out of this message, if you only get one point, you and I will constantly be enticed by the enemy to chase this carrot of financial security that cannot be reached. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you will always need a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. I've got friends of mine that are poorer than me and they need a little bit more and they'll be happy. I've got friends of mine that are far richer than me. If they had my money, they'd just give it away. And what do you think? They need a little bit more money. The enemy is constantly telling you work harder, Plan more. Work harder. Plan more. Constantly, 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 constantly. And I will meet with a financial advisor for the rest of my life. And I will plan to the best of my ability. Because I don't want to be a fool. But I don't want to be a fool on both sides. I don't want to be a fool and not save. And I don't want to make a, be a fool and believe that my savings is going to keep me safe. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of billionaires... That are sick right now. A lot of millionaires whose family is falling apart right now. That have to take pills and snort powder to keep themselves asleep. People like Michael Jackson has more money. He didn't even know how much money he had. And he needed help to fall asleep. Why is it that this fortified city of cash cannot keep us safe? It doesn't matter how high it is because the people that we're fighting can walk through walls. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against evil rulers and authorities In this unseen world, and they can walk through walls. Against mighty powers in this dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. We are fighting against spirits. We've got to get that in our head. If you don't believe that we're fighting against spirits, let me ask you a question. Why is it that you can feel down so low and so discouraged when it's hard for you to write down three things in your life that are going wrong? And when you do write down those three things, it does not it's it's not equal to the amount of depression that you can feel. It's not equal to it. It's out of proportion. These are spirits that antagonize us. That cause us to worry. That cause us to chase and build this fortified city as we imagine that it will keep us safe. And the reality is is that there's another wall. It's not a fortified wall made of cash. It is literally a wall of angelic beings that stand around you. And around your home. When we get to heaven. We're going to look back at ourselves and think to ourselves. Oh my goodness. I was so worried. And I worked so hard. And I made so many exchanges and so many sacrifices. To try to build this wall that I imagined was too high to scale. And all along there was a circle of angels around me. In Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha was a man of God and he was completely calm and relaxed even though he was under a tremendous attack. An entire army was coming at him. His servant did not put any stock or value in this wall of angels because he couldn't see it and he couldn't touch it. And that's the thing. You and I are addicted to feelings. We are addicted to feelings. And faith does not include feelings. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. I'm hoping God's going to come through. That's faith. Certain of what you cannot see. I can't see it, but I'm certain of it. And so Elisha looks at his servant, who's in a complete panic, and says, God, God, Would you open up his eyes so that he can see the wall that's around us? In a moment, his eyes were opened and he looked across the top of the mountains and all the way around him were angels and chariots of fire. This is the same thing that is around you. There's a story in the book of Job, chapter 1, where Satan came walking into the presence of God, and God looked at him and said, Where have you been? And he goes, Well, I've been walking back and forth on the earth. And the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? He's faithful, he's humble, he fears me. Have you considered trying to tempt him? And what did he say back? He goes, well, I would, but you have put a wall of protection around him. I can't get to him. A wall of protection. In Psalms 34, verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord surrounds those who honor him and delivers them delivers them he doesn't just stand there and watch he says okay you're in trouble I'm gonna have to take you out of this I'm gonna have to lead you out of this and what you think is an instinct decision an obvious decision is the Lord leading you in that direction and and here's the other thing in Psalms 130 verse 7 he says he has a thousand ways to set you free a thousand So he has an angel around you who has a thousand different options. This is the the other protective wall. Remember this. Money is a great servant, but a horrible master. Money is a great servant, but a terrible bodyguard. We use money to provide for our needs, not to protect us. Money will never protect you the way God will. That's why scriptures say you can't trust both God and money. We have to use money, serve God. Are you with me? Put your hands together for that. So here's the question. If you think like I think, you're having this thought. How do I know that my protective wall of angels is intact? Sometimes I wonder if I have the slowest angel in all of heaven. Because I've prayed for things that took forever to come. I mean, there's some people, they pray for things, and they got an angel that flies like an arrow. I think my angel is like, oh, there's a bird. (laughs) Oh, there's a bird. There's a bird. Oh, I love to fly. I can fly and you can't. I don't know what is going on. Have you ever wondered, I don't know if I can have confidence in the angels around me because I can't see them. I want you to know that the Lord does not want you walking around wondering if you're safe. He doesn't want you and I walking around nervous that you're safe. He wants you at peace, knowing you're safe, even though you can't see the wall around you. He wants you at complete peace. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says that his peace, exceeds anything that you can understand. It exceeds whatever you really understand, like you're really good at adding and subtracting and multiplying and sewing and knitting. Whatever you think you understand, his peace exceeds whatever you think you understand. And it protects your mind so you can sleep at night. And it protects your heart. This is the peace of God. So how can we have this peace that this wall is intact? Now, the enemy is going to tell you that you don't pray enough. You don't worship enough to have a solid wall of angels around you. That you don't do enough good things and you do way too many bad things. Well, I have a scripture for you. The Bible says this in uh, Romans chapter 9. No, Romans. Hold on. It's not going to be in my notes because I'm just I'm on a rabbit trail right now and I'm going to catch this thing. Romans eleven six, 6, where it says God calls people, but not because of their good or bad works. He calls people. He called you not because you do good things. He he calls you and protects you not because you are an awesome worshiper. He calls you and protects you not because you're godly and you're one step away from being merry. He calls you and he protects you because he loves you. In Isaiah 49 verse 1 it says this, Before you were born he called your name you he's crazy in love with you just because you're you now how do you and I bridge the gap between saying God you love me you protect me but I don't believe it and I'm staying up all night I need some peace how do we bridge that gap thank you how do we bridge that gap Time, how we spend our time is a reflection of what means most to us. If it means a lot to you to have peace, then invest your time into the Prince of Peace. You cannot hope to experience his peace if you do not spend time with him. You can't. You can wish it. You can hope it. I wish I knew that song. I'm a wishing, I'm a hoping, whatever that is. Is that even a song? Okay, great. (laughs) You can wish and you can hope and you can believe that God can and never experience his peace. You can know that he has peace. You can know that he can provide and you can never experience his peace because it is up to you and I to pursue him. In James 4, 8, it says, if you pursue me, I'll pursue you. This fortified city that we imagine is going to take care of us it is a wall too high to scale it's our imagination and it drives us back crazy our entire life as an American you've had more money than you needed for that day and the enemy will tell you that you won't have enough for tomorrow but you will let me tell you, to experience his peace, you have to create a discipline in your life of spending time with him because your life will never change unless something you do every day changes. Yeah. Do you receive that? Put your hands together if you receive that. i tell you, there's something on the inside of every man that longs to be in the presence of God. Even if they don't even fully understand it. That's right. In Isaiah chapter 62 verse 6. It says this. Those of you who pray. Give yourself no rest. And give God no rest. Until he completes his work. That has to be our attitude. Every morning I wake up, I'll be back at it again. Laying the pieces of my life on your altar, waiting for the fire to fall. If you don't move today, I'll be back at it again tomorrow. If you don't move tomorrow, I'll be back at it again the next day. Do you receive that? Put your hands together if you do. When we see God move, we get to celebrate And then our faith goes up. When you see something happen, your faith goes up. Let me show you what the Lord has done recently in someone's life. Take a look at this.
1: So, um, for about a week, I kept having problems with my shoulder right here. Um, I work out six days a week. It's what keeps me away from my depression and kind of keeps me sane. And I've been praying, asking that next time I come to church, if Frankie would say something about the shoulder. Mind you, two songs were playing um, when I first came in that I had not repeat all week long along with my husband. Um, he ended up calling the shoulder thing, the right shoulder, not the left, but the right. Um, and I came down um, and he prayed over me and and it almost felt like a, like a crackle, like some kind of warm crackle. And I'm, I'm telling you, I haven't been able to raise my hands. I'm gonna go home and do my workout just to make sure. But it's, I mean, it's mind blowing. It really is mind blowing. And I feel so blessed to be a part of this church. And, and it's, it's, it's a miracle. It truly is.
0: And then God, good. We need to give it to Him. Thank you, Jesus. You know. Two and a half years ago, a gentleman by the name of Randy Clark, uh, I call him Dr. Randy because he's a doctor. Um, He's a theologian, genius. And he moves in the area of healing. And when I started spending time with him, um, there was an impartation that took place, an impartation that took place in our church. And people get healed over the last two years every single Sunday, every Sunday. I have a, a, a neighbor who's a Mormon and about six months ago we would sit down with each other and every Monday morning and he would try to convert me and I would try to convert him. And I told him finally after like six weeks, I said, you could never ever convert me. I said, because you read about miracles and we see them. Uh, and Dr. Randy said something I'll never forget he said it on this stage and I was sitting right there and he said do me a favor said it to all of us he said do me a favor he goes don't ever get used to healings he said that about two years ago and I was sitting on the front row and I remember thinking what? 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 Because we had only had maybe a few prior to that. I was like, we would never get used to healings. But wouldn't you know that after two years of seeing miracles like this, I have to wonder to myself, Frankie, are you getting used to it? Are you getting used to it? The number one of all the miracles, the number one miracle that has happened the most in our church, to the best of my recollection, is deaf ears opening. It's the number one. And I'm mentioning that because I feel like there's someone has a left ear that is either partially deaf or completely deaf. Does everybody that we pray for get healed? No, absolutely not. But every time we pray for healing, people get healed. Everybody stand to your feet for me, please. At this moment in the service, we always find out if I'm hearing for God or if I'm talking to myself. About 70% of the time, there's confirmation I'm hearing from God. 30% of the time, it's confirmation that I did not hear from God. I was just talking to myself. the only way I know is if I tell people what I think the Lord wants to do. Like, for example... I believe that the Lord wants to heal a left ear. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you're either partially deaf or completely deaf, I want you to raise your hand. And then I'm going to ask you to come down here and I'm going to take my microphone off. You're not going to get embarrassed. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Now, if you don't raise your hand and you don't let me pray for you, um, I don't know what's going to happen. There's instances instances in the bible particularly with 10 lepers jesus looked at him and said be healed and they all walked away and none of them were healed but as they were walking away they were all healed i don't know what i do know is that if i did hear from god correctly and there is somebody here And you have enough faith, even if it's this much, to say, I'm the one with the deaf ear. I believe from experience that you're gonna walk out of here with an ear open. Is it a guarantee? No, it's not a guarantee. But the percentages of when a word of knowledge goes out, when I say that, I feel like, and somebody raises their hand and says me, the percentages are so high that that person is going to get healed. But about 30% of the time I say, is there anyone in this room? And hands don't go up. And then I look at everybody and go, I'm sorry I wasted your time. I thought God spoke to me and he didn't. So let's find out. Is there anyone here with a completely deaf left ear or partially deaf left ear or you've lost hearing in your left ear is that anyone in this room right here come on down I want to pray for you is there anyone else come on down your left ear if it's your right ear I want you to pray with a prayer partner because I just want to follow what I feel like the Lord's telling me If you are new to celebration, you're like, and by the way, if there's anyone else with the left ear, just come down here. You won't get embarrassed, I promise. If it's your right ear or any other part of your body, I want you to come down here and pray with a prayer partner. So I'd like our prayer partners to come down. And I'd like to say this as well. In fact... Let me chase this. Someone got healed of cancer right here with a prayer partner. I had nothing to do with it. Most healings, I have nothing to do with it. But if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes and you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, that's more important than anything else we're doing right now. And I want you to be bold enough and courageous enough come down here and take a hand of a prayer partner and just say I need to get my life right with God I am so happy you all came and I'm gonna ask the worship team to sing a song one time through and if you would just sing it with us one time through and then there's no official dismissal you can leave whenever you get ready may the Lord bless you May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his face be turned towards you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name.